Sup witches, Phil here, and I'm in the car with Chris Evans and Graeme Riley. Hello, chaps. Hello. Um, just a quick question. Is it dangerous to uh, podcast and drive? No, because it's just having a conversation. We established that as long as Graeme isn't holding the phone... Or the conversation. Okay. I, yeah, I'm keeping my eyes and my mind on the road. Um, I'm that talented a broadcaster that I can multitask in such a way. Boys, um, the episode, uh, well, this week's episode is our, it's turned into our annual drunk episode, hasn't it? Oh, my days. Um, we were a bit more sensible this year. We weren't as drunk. I was. Although I was in um, agonising pain, I remember, from my shoulder. Um, I was ill and practically sleeping also we, we were so drunk that we forgot to talk about two of our actors so we actually had to record an extra bit yes, to, right. uh, to shove that in so uh, yeah it's turned into a bit of an annual thing it was missing in season 2 but we didn't go away during season 2 oh, no, but we, uh, we did go away last year when we uh, we talked about a variety of things after consuming many beers and we talked about so many irrelevant topics it was silly and uh, no doubt this week's episode is uh, going to be the same so uh, I do hope you enjoy it, and whether you do or not, uh, do leave us a, a nice review on iTunes, because, uh, hey, if you like us being drunk, maybe we'll drink more often, <laughs> and whilst recording. <laughs> well, please remember, guys, do drink and podcast responsibly. Oh. <laughs> you didn't record. record. I don't know how long. Oh, no. Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three tipsy and travelling troglodytes review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil and I'm your host and slightly drunk... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's proved it because I can't even remember the saying. The next word I was going to say was I am your uh, slightly drunk... Uh, sort of like, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. My name is Phil Dean, and I'm your slightly drunk host for this wonderful trip down memory lane. But no, I am not alone. I'm holding hands with my two bestest of friends. First of all, it's Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Um, he's not holding my hand. I haven't made physical contact with him for a while. Things are very strained these days between us. Uh, but nonetheless, we're here in the beautiful blue room um, at Southcroft in uh, St. Asaph, Wales. Yes. Ooh, yes. Yes, this is uh, the second time um, a voyage to uh, to the land of the uh, the Red Dragon to um, yeah, have, have have a few drinks, have a, you know, have some fun together, try and rekindle the uh, the long burnt out flame of our our friendship. And uh, it, it's it's been going well so far. Chris is uh, occasionally coughing up. Uh, multiple lungs. He must have at least eight. Oh, at um, least. And my shoulder has been in agonising pain all day. Yet we have uh, battled, and we hate each other, as, as I've said. So, yet we've battled through it all to, to bring you this this podcast. So I, I hope you're grateful. I really, really do. Absolutely. And, and obviously, Graham just teased him. But yes, he is making a return once again. It is our second co-host. It's Mr. Christopher Evans. Hello, Chris. I'm still not fired. This is good. This, this is, is good. good. Even on a weekend where we're just drinking and uh, there's no distractions, we're not going home, we are in each other's company. And uh, yes, still several hours in, we have not grown sick of you. I, I think it's got something to do with the 
fact that you feel bad for me because I am a little bit under the weather. I also think it's to do with the fact that you're the one who drove, so if we yeah, tick we, you yeah. off, you're leaving us here. We, we, we really need you. You're, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want to use the phrase useful idiot, but, um, you know... Uh, you don't I, want to use it, but you will use it. But yeah, you, well, you did. Basically, you did. Basically, you you, you, you had to be here. You they know. basically kidnapped me and forced me to drive them to the blue room. That's right. Yeah. So this this elusive blue room that we are referring to, uh, we're in a beautiful house in the middle of the sticks, really, and in a sort of North Wales way. And uh, this room, it's got a lovely shade of uh, baby blue throughout. It's got lots of sort of um, what, 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 what trinkets. Would, trinkets. What would would you describe as sort of the furniture? What's it's got some it? venerable furniture. It's Ooh. the kind of thing that usually, if you come across it in a stately home, it says, do not sit here. Oh, yeah. So we're very privileged to actually be sat on this stuff. Yeah, we just moved the sign, really. Ah, yeah, we just moved the sign. I hope it doesn't turn to dust while we're recording. Yes, but, there's not another tour for uh, for an hour, so yeah. we're, we're going to try and quickly bash this one now. We're loving the room. Oh, absolutely. And this is why we're recording it in here. Yeah. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's our podcast. All together now. So, so fuck, fuck, fuck you. you. Um, no, but please stay. Don't uh, don't be uh, so disgusted that you leave because this next episode is is a lovely one. It's series three, episode seven, entitled "You Bet Your Family." In this episode, Salem bets the family to uh, Diamond Dave. And uh, boys, were you the? I know I was, but were you disappointed to find out that Diamond Dave wasn't the Diamond Dave that we now know as uh, David Lee Roth? Yeah, I expressed my disappointment about this in the last episode when you told us what it was about. I, I enjoyed the performance of this gentleman, but. All the while, I was thinking about, excuse me, how much better it would have been, uh, you know, with with uh, with with DLR. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite disappointing. I, I reckon in in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, David Lee Roth, he wasn't doing that much. He'd left Van Halen, you know. We were suffering through the uh, Sammy Hagar years, <laughs> um, and so yeah, I, I reckon I reckon they could have got him. Oh, absolutely. And I reckon he would have been within his rights to sue them for the use of the uh, the. The name Diamond Dave. Yes. Um, oh Chris, obviously we didn't have David Lee Roth as Diamond Dave and we had this other fine gentleman instead. Can you think of any better Davids we could have had in this role as Diamond Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David from the David and Goliath story. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder what yeah, he's yeah, up yeah. to now. Uh, Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dave Benson Phillips, if we're getting oh, the whole yes. 1990s up in here. David Jason. Yeah, yeah, he could have done it. Yeah, we yeah, we could have David Jason indeed. Yeah, I wonder what he was doing at this time. Lightning loads of goals, probably. David Jason. Oh no, I think, boy. I think we might think it of David James. David James. Oh dear. Oh my. <laughs> what David Jason was doing was a touch of frost. He was doing a yeah. touch of frost, and I was doing a touch of uh, attempt of a joke, and I just yeah. I just fucking got it wrong. Yeah, you kind of you kind of missed the mark, mate. I absolutely did. Yeah. Or Mister David, you might say in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, let's bring it back and get over. <laughs> Took it back to uh, Sabrina. So, as we said in this episode, Salem uh, loses a big game of poker to Diamond Dave, and he bets his family because he's got no more coins left to offer. And uh, yeah, Hilda, Zelda, and Sabrina have to live out. I wouldn't say the rest of their lives, that's what's on the line, but they have to live out the rest of their week uh, on the, the beck and call of Diamond Dave. Um, boys, have you had any sort of experiences with, uh, with gambling? And uh, have you ever bet something that you. Uh, uh, did, what did you try in a better check that your ass couldn't cash? Um, no, but I have lost a substantial amount of money via betting, which is why I no longer bet. No, no, that's very, very true. Graham, we all, uh, the three of us together, which is possibly one of the sources of our rifts of um, 
invested copious amounts of money over the years in uh, the great British tradition of the pub quiz, the actual oh, pub yeah. quiz, where you sit, yeah, yeah, yeah. you sit down, somebody reads out questions and you write the answers, or the simulated pub quiz on a um, small uh, computer uh, sited in the corner of, um, of the majority of pubs um, in, in the United Kingdom. And as well, you say you don't gamble, but our friend, we are gambling our friendship on this podcast. Yes. Because if this doesn't work out and we get embarrassed to do it, then we're just going to... There's no reason for us to stick together. We're just going to part ways. The, no. we're, the only reason we're together and still so strong is because our podcast yeah. is, is enjoyed and liked by by many people. And uh, yeah, if it all goes to pot, then so does our friendship. So we've got a lot riding on here, guys. So if you do enjoy our show and you want the three of us to remain friends, have that on your conscience, then uh, yeah, leave us a wonderful review on iTunes because it's uh, it'll keep us together, boys, won't it? It makes us feel nice as yeah. well. Yeah, better mind each other's only friends. That's what's at stake here. I know five people. One of them is my brother. One of them is my wife. Two of them is uh, are my friends, and the other one is myself. I know myself. Um, I don't think I know myself. <laughs> so, really, that this this podcast and this friendship is all that is keeping me from existential despair. Hashtag podcast therapy yeah. is, is what we're trying to get across. Um, anyway, let's jump into the episode, boys. Did we enjoy this one? Yeah, man. There were some uh, good highlights, as the as they say. They do. Uh, Salem has, has a good outing on this one. Good, good outings and good outfits as well in this episode. Yeah, for those who enjoy Salem in clothes, Salem sobbing, mm-hmm. and just generally just Salem being just this irresponsible, materialistic, feckless. And kind of heartless, really, because he does bet his family. It's a rare uh, Nick Mackay episode where Salem is the the sole focus. Really. Yeah, and, and kind of. I mean, I know. I know well, Diamond, sole Di- focus. There is a subplot as well. Yeah, I mean, I know Diamond movie. Diamond Davis is, is the villain in this one, yeah. but as well, like it only comes to pass just because of uh, Salem's idiotic choices. So Salem is is uh, we've not had it f- this kind of episode for a while, but he is the reason why the the family are in despair in this uh, this episode. So it's nice nice to return to to Salem being. Uh, more or less the focus yeah. of this episode anyway. Salem in clothes is always Salem at his most either desperate or well yeah, always desperate desperate to sort of prove himself to be something more than a than a house cat. When Salem, oh, absolutely. When Salem dons the clothes it's because he's trying to better himself, be it financially or socially. You know, he wore clothes as a mafia don, he wore clothes to try and get fish. It's yeah, something a scheme is being hatched when uh when Salem is uh, is clothed. Yeah, and I guess this is the lowest point Salem gets because, as you say, if he does indeed uh, uh, don uh, clothes to uh, temporarily forget that he's a cat, in this episode, everything he owns and even everything he wears is stripped away and, and removed by Diamond Dave just to completely humiliate the guy. So could you say that this is the lowest Salem gets so far? It's anyway. the most crying we've seen out of him. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, he would have quite literally, as we see, starved to death. So this episode opens up on Salem and a gang of dogs playing poker, complete with cigars and massive jugs of beer. Boys, could we get a more perfect first scene? No. <laughs> These dogs, they kind of talk. <laughs> they do kind of talk. I mean, they all, have, they all have voice actors, a wonderful array of sort of, you know, really sort of gruff American men, um, the kind of people who would sort of sit around in a, somebody's front room gambling, which is nice. Would, would it have been better if they were clothed? Yes. Definitely. No, not just for, for our uh, kicks and stuff, but if they were made... For decency. <laughs> there were so many testicles. 
because uh, Sabrina comes in uh, to complain. Uh, well, she comes to shout at Rusty in particular uh, because he isn't using a coaster. So it's nice that uh, Sabrina, even though she's only 17, she knows about good household etiquette, which is nice. Um, because it smells, she magics in a fan to blow out all the stogie smoke. Salem says from now on they're going to play at Lassie's house. The Lassie? Well, if there's so. only one Lassie that we all know. If so, very disappointed. Bad girl. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. I'm thinking, yes, get in there, Lassie. Yeah. Hashtag same universe. Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Lassie. Yeah. What? What's that girl? Timmy's falling down the well. Interest, you want an interesting fact about Lassie? And Always. Specifically, Timmy and the well. Timmy never actually fell down the well. Oh, right. That was just a sort of a stereotypical Lassie plotline that sort of became a, a, a like, sort of like a meme of its day, I guess. And the boy who played Timmy actually called his autobiography Timmy's in the Well, but it never actually happened. I think I'm going to say the actor who played Timmy actually died by falling down a well. <laughs> uh, the titles roll, uh, and she's, um, she's a strawberry, guys. And she says, pick me, pick me. Wasn't very good, was it? Yeah, but in fairness, if you dress as a strawberry, what are you going to say? Um, exactly. I hope I don't get creamed. Bring on Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're clutching at straw, Breeze, now, boys. Uh, yeah, maybe. That's a whack, whack, whack. We're in the school corridor where Harvey's asking Sabrina about her sassitude score. Boys, we've all got them. When suddenly a stampede of students run outside because Libby has just rocked up in what Harvey calls new wheelage. It's a pretty sweet ride and Harvey, being the petrol head that he is, just isn't interested in what Sabrina has to say because she doesn't have a beautiful chassis. There is a bit that I did not approve of here, and it's not the implication that Sabrina doesn't have a beautiful chassis. It's that, obviously, everybody's spellbound by Libby's new car, which I'm kind of, I'm kind of betraying the point here, because I know what kind of car that is. That's a Ford Mustang. But Harvey is, is desperate. He's desperately trying to sort of end the conversation with Sabrina, just mm-hmm. say something nice, and be sure. So she's like, okay, fine. And she says, you want to go off and look at the car, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, it's okay, I understand. It's in your DNA. It's in men have to like cars because men, yeah, that's what men do. That's no, no, exactly no, no. What men do. no, no, no. It's in Harvey's DNA. He likes cars. He's a mechanic. He works in cars. We've seen him in the mechanic workshop working on a car. He likes cars. It's in his specific okay. DNA. Okay, well, I'll you... accept that reading of it if that is indeed the correct one. So yeah, it's in his DNA, much as it is in Ramage's DNA as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> so, so just like how we like to look at this, you know, twenty um, odd year old show and say how we would have done it better. We're not saying how we could do it necessarily better, but how we could make sure that we don't get this misconception. So, if Sabrina in the script had said, "Harvey, I know it's in your specific DNA." Well, yeah, if it's, it's in Harvey Kinkle's DNA, she yeah. Would have said. Later on in the episode, there was another sort of a bit of a, ooh, mm, mm, glad that only lasted a couple of seconds. Yeah, it was still a couple of seconds too long, but yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. Uh, back home, and Salem is in his best Roman wants to go bowling outfit, and he's doing some gambling over the phone, isn't he, boys? Something which Zelda says is illegal in her house. Salem tells Zelda that he's playing against Diamond Dave LaRue, the wildest gambler this side of the cracking time. So naturally, Zelda forbids him to do that because A, nobody beats Double D, and B, he can't get to the other realm by himself. Yeah, how can he not get to the other realm by himself? Because he can't do magic. 
and possibly part a condition of his sentence is that he cannot travel unaccompanied. So somebody oh. either has to go with him or come and get him, as, as, as happens here. Yeah. He, we've seen him in the past sneak his way into the closet, but yeah. it's always been by someone opening it for him and him dashing in. Oh, so it's more a matter of the fact that he can't reach the handle to the door. Yeah, and, and because he can't cast magic, and obviously in the other realm, it's all based on magic, so he would he would be more useless than what he is in the mortal realm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, in the school canteen, and all everyone is talking about is Libby's flaming convertible, which, uh, with its CD player in the trunk and controls on the steering wheel. <sighs> High tech, boys. Well, CD player in the trunk, yeah, get behind that. 90s, yeah. But controls on the steering wheel? Well, your... Wow. Your father's uh, vehicle, uh, your father's former vehicle, which I believe dated back to the 90s, Phil, didn't that have that set up? He, he bought that separately. He got that oh. um, built into the car because um, it only played one CD and he wanted to play five more. Not necessarily right. at the same time, but I don't know. He was a crazy man. So <laughs> talking about he's dead. <laughs> no, he's very much uh, crazy. Kelly's very much still alive, but uh, yeah, he's he's got stories. Um, so like a bad smell, Libby wafts over to Harvey and saves shotgun for him. If you want an awesome ride to the football game, and Sabrina ain't impressed. Uh, basketball. Basketball. I think sorry, yes. It's the Boston Celtics. It is. Yes. Sorry. Their, their local NBA franchise. I know all the lingo. <laughs> you do indeed we see this interesting side plot with uh, subplot even with Sabrina throughout this episode where for the first time she's a bit jealous of Libby yeah because she's usually kind of she's irritated by Libby's presence she's annoyed that Libby gets on over on her sometimes or that Harvey seems oblivious to the fact that Libby's own, the only reason Libby is friendly towards him is to annoy Sabrina but it is actually a consistent uh, character point that she is desperate to have a car. She's mm-hmm. been asking for a car for over a year now. Yes. Since uh, the early days of season two. So it was nice that Libby having something that she has always wanted is what brought that side out of her. Character consistency, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good ca- character consistency, which is something that's been very strong and very true for uh, most of season two and, and this season so far. Uh, and later on when she's under Diamond Dave's uh, wing, uh, wing mirror, if you want to use a, a pun. Not yes, I, I, I don't want to use a pun. Okay, so uh, that's terrible, so I'll take it away. Um, she does get a taste of what being posh and driving a really good car is, so she does get a little bit uh, jealous. To be honest with you, I don't think in this episode she's jealous of Libby. She's jealous of the car. Jealousy isn't new to it, and jealousy brings out the worst in most people. And she's no exception because some of the times that we've expressed the most disgust with her behaviour uh-huh. is when she has been jealous. She was jealous at the affection that Harvey showed Jean. Mm-hmm. She was jealous at the affection that her father showed Gail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, jealousy is nothing new, but jealousy of the person she would usually rather die than be like is a new thing, but as Chris says, it is just because of this one thing that she has. Anyway, back home, and Zelda is about to make the final payment on their mortgage. Huzzah! A hundred years of 1% payments are finally cashed in. Woo-hoo, boys. Uh, they start jumping up, jumping up and dancing, as does Sabrina when she hears the good news. However, her aunt stops suddenly when she tries to hijack their good mood by trying to swindle a car from them. Hilda and Zelda say no because she is too irresponsible, and Sabrina continues to jump around. Yeah, she continues to beg into the car and jumps the whole while. Melissa jo- and delivers the lines with perfect diction. Um, Melissa Joan Hart's cardio 
Legit. Uh, upstairs and Salem is looking fly in his cat suit and hat and he's been invited to a poker game to make some money, baby. That's what he says. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. So Sabrina asks him if he'll buy her a car if he wins. Suddenly the closet goes off and it's a beautiful showgirl who scoops up Salem and takes him to experience Diamond Dave's VIP Plus. What vintage expression of sexual arousal does he use? Oh, humana, humana, humana. Gives <laughs> it the old uh, Jackie Gleason. Uh, now, the, well, the how, how far does that date back, Graham, as our, as our laughter historian? Well, the whole, hilarious historian. The Honeymooners, obviously, sitcom in the 1950s. So, it's yeah, it's at least back to then. I don't know whether Jackie Gleason took it from somewhere else. Maybe somebody he knew growing up, which might mean it dates back further. I don't know. Either way, humana, humana, humana. I don't know if I really like Salem being lecherous as such. Yeah. The, the fact that he's sort of like still a ladies' man in spite of being a cat is funny, but I don't. I, I could do without hearing him saying humana, humana, humana. To be yeah, honest. because, I, I mean, I don't know about you, I've always envisioned Salem as this uh, all-powerful witch, but ultimately all his life he's been a bit of a... A loser. A hopeless romantic. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like him sort of just because he is a cat and this beautiful woman uh, wearing barely anything is scooping him up. He's like, oh, oh, you know. Yeah. And then uh, as he's, as she's leading him into the uh, linen closet, he says, so tell me, do you girls make your own outfits? I, the lines between Salem, Saberhagen and Jerry Lawler blurred a bit too much there <laughs> for my liking. <laughs> It's past Sabrina's bedtime, but she sneaks onto the laptop to conjure up a car instead, which she does complete with a vroom as some magical car keys appear in the flask. But they're snatched away from her because Hilda and Zelda installed an uninsured teenage driver block on the book. So many different things that you'd never even have thought of. But insurance costs money. It does cost money, and lives, sometimes. Yes. Well, if you're uninsured and you crash, you might... uh... Well, well, if, if you're, you're insured, insured and you crash, <laughs> yeah, car yeah. crashes cost lives. <laughs> okay, but sometimes you have to pay uh, a lot more money than you than you would have done if yeah. somebody hadn't yeah. died. So the moral here is: don't kill anyone when you're driving. Yeah, we're then whisked away to the glamorous Diamond Dave's Casino, where the man himself has just won his fifth straight royal flush. And to add to Salem sobbing, they're now playing a round of high-low crisscross Mexican stud poker, juices and bugs are wild. Well done. Uh, boys, do you know? Are you familiar with that uh, style of play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really familiar. Um, you'll find that no one has a fucking clue what that <laughs> is, apart from Diamond Dave, which is uh, which is the point, really, because he is a, a bit of a a bit of a dirty rotter. It's so obvious that he's a dirty rotter. I mean, I guess there is a thing of like, oh, I want to be the guy to finally beat him and shut him up. But at the same time, there is the thing of, well, he's just making, you know. Like you know, you you always know kids like this, don't you? At, uh, at school, kids who just make change the rules, make up the rules for every game to make sure they always win. And he's just one of those. So why 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 they're feeding that uh, that fraudulence by actually engaging him in these games as if they are legitimate? I don't really know. Hmm. Yeah, but also on the back of that he always deals and deals with magic. Yes. Surely someone would go. Hang on a minute, mate. Deal them properly, would you? And Salem's going in there unarmed. He can't do magic. Perhaps another another witch who is still in full possession of their powers. He could fight magic with magic. Maybe that's the thrill of challenging him normally. Maybe yeah. they're trying you're trying to undo his tricks with yours, but Salem can't do that. So he's he's setting himself up for the miserable uh, situation he ends up in. Really. He can't even pick up the cards. No, <laughs> he can't even pick up the cards. He's got no fucking chance. He's got no thumbs, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's a very a very different character than someone who we've met before. I love it when we introduce characters, new characters, and they use their magic in a particular way, something that's a bit different. And Diamond Dave dishes out his magic in like a dice shuffle, doesn't he? Yes. With this, we've had combat characters before. Obviously, Bobby Calzone was one such uh, was one such person. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see he has magic tailored to uh, what he does. Also, this actor has a very evil face. Um, but very sort of comically evil face. He's kind of got yeah. weird sort of like um, diagonal like eyebrows and things. He's got uh, two very sort of sheer cul de sacs in his uh, where his hairline's receding, coming to a, to a point in the middle. Um, and he's also got a, um, a flunky, a, a butler with a uh, hilarious voice who he constantly demeans. I thought they both did really well. They added a lot to this episode. Sup, witches? Phil from the next week future here, and I'm joined by future Graham and future Chris. Chaps. Future high. <laughs> Future. Hello. <laughs> um, we were a bit too uh, intoxicated in the last episode to remember to talk about one of the guest stars. So we thought, hey, while we're sober a week later, why not chat about him now? I, yeah, I don't think I could have read words um, <laughs> while, while, the, while, while we were recording last week. I so, was uh, out of it. Yeah. At the time of this recording, I haven't listened to our annual drunk episode, so hopefully it makes sense and we don't sound too slow. Uh, but uh, yeah, Graeme, do tell us about uh, the man behind Diamond Dave. Is it David Lee Roth? Uh, it's not, and uh, we discussed that in the episode. I think I mentioned Sammy Hagar. Um, <laughs> the man behind Diamond Dave is uh, Mr. Edward Albert, um, and he uh, was somebody who perhaps I mean he had he had long he had long and uh, you know um, full career, and uh, you know I enjoyed his poems in this episode. But he was somebody who possibly didn't hit the heights that was once perhaps expected of them, whether that's his doing or not, I don't know, but because uh, he won a Golden Globe for Best New Star in 1972 oh, wow. uh, for being in the film Butterflies Are Free, and he starred opposite uh, Charlton Heston in uh, Midway. So he had a, had a very sort of bright beginning to his movie career, which didn't particularly continue, although he had a decent sort of TV career in the 80s. He had a recurring role in uh, two shows called The Yellow Rose and Beauty and the Beast, uh, funnily enough. Oh, right. Um, nothing to do with Disney film or fairy oh. tale. And he um, stayed on sort of TV, popping up as a That Guy, as he does in this episode, until very sadly he passed away in uh, 2006 of uh, lung cancer, so uh, R.I.P. Uh, Mr. Albert. Indeed. How, how old was he? He was 55. Wow. Oh, oh dear. And so uh, he left us too young. Still with us is uh, Fred Stoller, who played um, C.K., he uh, was a regular guest star in Everybody Loves Raymond. He had a recurring role in that, but he's mainly a voice actor. He's in like a lot of like the recent like DreamWorks stuff, you know, Over the Hedge and uh, and things like that. The open season, you know, that, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And he was, he, I think, he's a writer as well. I think he like wrote episodes of Seinfeld and uh, and the like. So yeah, notable guest stars that we were too drunk to Google at the time, <laughs> but now you know. <laughs> yes, couldn't hashtag form sentences for fuck's sake, yeah. could we? <laughs> Uh, we quickly jump back to school where Harvey has declined Libby's offer of luxury to sit on the stinky bus with Sabrina. How sweet. However, smiles are turned to frowns as Salem loses yet another hand to the seemingly unbeatable Diamond Dave. With his last chip, he plays an amazing hand, one he can't conceal with a poker face. But as he's unable to raise, he thinks about tapping out. That is until Diamond Dave asks if he has any property. And you think that maybe he's going uh, to sell the house. Well, could have been the house, could have been a car, could have been a litter train. You, know what I mean? you just about, don't know. And about Salem's little car. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that car. He's got a Lamborghini, hasn't he? Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, does. He's got a Lamborghini, yeah. He bought a condo, didn't he, at the end of one episode? He did, in Florida, he did. yeah. yeah. So, so he, unless he's already gambled it away, which I doubt, because do you have any property would suggest it hasn't come up yet, so... 
Could have lost it to somebody else, so he could have lost it to a dog. Or, uh... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a dog could now own a condo. Um... Uh, at said property, and Serena can't decide which bag to put on her head, but it's broken up by Salem's sobs and his walk of shame. He hints at the fact that he bet the house, which sends the Spellman ladies raging, but it turns out he didn't bet the house, he bet them instead. Ooh, don't know how I felt about that. Being as it is that they are not his property... Yeah, because they're human beings. We can only presume that um, the witches' council have very liberal laws on a slavery, mm-hmm. yeah, b gambling. Because clearly, you can just say that anything is your property, and then that thing becomes legally the property of whoever beats you in a, in a gambling wager. So he could have said, "Oh, actually, I I, I own I own Liechtenstein." And had 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 um, had he lost, then then the entirety of Liechtenstein would then uh, be yeah at the mercy of Diamond Dave. I see where he's coming from though, because as as a cat owner, I don't own the cat. The cat owns me. Right. You can see it in its eyes. And does it own Liechtenstein as well? The alternative way to look at it is because Salem is the man of the house. He owns the ladies in the house. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the. Whoa, w- no! Yeah, they, 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 we talk about the I'm, outdated um, liberal rules of the other realm, though. Yeah, I, I ain't saying this. I'm saying this. It came out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm saying it as Diamond Dave. It could be a statute in other realm law. It doesn't seem like a patriarchal society, but then again, we don't know. We have, we have no idea. It's a realm that we have not ventured into. It is an other realm, and maybe they have other rules about uh, how their, their, their men sexistly own their women. Maybe. We join the ladies in Diamond Dave's mansion where he quickly gives the ladies their orders and uniforms. Uh, who have we got? Zelda's the chef. Cook. Yeah. The chef, yeah, the cook. He'll just the maid and Sabrina's the driver. The assistant slash driver, I guess. Yeah. Like the PA slash... Um... Well, she starts off as just a chauffeur, but he's grooming her to replace CK. Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, yeah. he's finding a way to, to nudge CK out. I mean, more on CK's character a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Diamond Dave makes some unflattering and demeaning quips to the gals, like calling Zelda Cookie. Cookie. Yeah. Yes. He makes some unflattering and demeaning quips to the girls and leaves. Zelda vows that they shall escape and Salem will help. However, he's having too much fun sliding on the floor. And this was a reference to. Risky something? business. Risky yes. business. I've never seen that. Uh, you haven't seen a lot of things, Phil. I'm no, not surprised. Anymore. I didn't. I didn't know the reference. So explain. It's one of few films I've seen. Oh my days! Um, of 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 the ones that everybody's seen. Yeah. It's a very well known scene. Basically, the sto- the plot of Risky Business is that uh, Tom Cruise is a nicer suburban uh, guy. He's a high school senior, and his parents um, go away for I believe the week, and he is in charge of the house. And he decides to do everything he's never done before because he's a good boy. Um, and he calls an escort, and basically all ends up with with him basically using his parents' uh, house uh, as a brothel. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, but very early on, immediately after his parents have, have left, he decides to uh, dance around the house in an unbuttoned shirt and his underpants. And there's a very famous shot of him sliding into view. Um, how he begins his dance, and that's that's what's being parodied uh, parodied here. But obviously, Salem can't do that. He's either too light or too fat, and he just slides all the way across the hallway and tells yeah. everyone he's all right. Too much for a puppet. <laughs> yeah, the real problem. So, because um, obviously we do like a hashtag same universes, does that mean Risky Business is a film within? A f- yeah. Oh yeah, within yeah, the yeah, universe, yeah. or it's just something that's never happened, and Salem's just the first one to kind of do well, it. Well, we don't know for certain because he doesn't slide into 
he doesn't slide into you and say this is just like risky business so you never know uh, after the first day of being on the job and Sabrina is having a blast recklessly driving Diamond Dave in his Porsche Porsche or Porsche it's Porsche it's Porsche I think eh, I don't know it's Ger- a German company something yeah so Porsche might actually be correct yeah no 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 but Porsche no Porsche Porsche maybe maybe she then starts to think that Libby is kind of right in how she behaves that money does make you popular and this is where we get a bit of development with Sabrina in the sense of that uh, not only is she she's not really jealous of Libby she's jealous of Libby's lifestyle the fact that yes. Libby's got all this money she can have any car she wants and she believes that it's, it's kind of a bit sad really that she's still not satisfied with the company and the friends that she's got she's still on a quest to be the most popular the most well liked um, girl in the school it's uh, an instance and we do get it occasionally of regression 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 she's yeah she's kind of going backwards like she's seemingly got to the point where she isn't too bothered by by Libby anymore and Libby's um, popularity isn't of, of concern to her and all of a sudden it is again which is uh, which was kind of a bit sad to see but you know Serena obviously regarding the fact that she's got a you know, wonderful boyfriend she's got um, a such a loyal lovable friend such as Val she's got the love and support of a family and um, faculty members and staff and yes it's still ultimately like oh how can I be more popular and it's, it's upsetting really isn't it I don't know how loyal Valerie is because she frequently vanishes <laughs> Van- and this vanishes. Is, vanishes and this is one such episode Hilda tells Sabrina that money is just a shortcut to popularity and shortcuts never work that's really not true on your desktop I mean they usually work yeah if they, they don't do, yeah. if they don't you should delete them what may work however is a handmade sleeping potion which Zelda plans to make and pop in his next meal she gives Hilda and Sabrina the jobs of acquiring some ingredients the feather of a fowl which they got from a plucky gambling chicken playing poker yeah um... <laughs> go on you can laugh if you want to don't be afraid we don't know for ser- presumably in order to participate in this game this chicken must have had the power of speech he wasn't in a suit, but I mean, he will have been off duty. He was in a hat. hat he was in a hat, though. This could have been the other realm's most trusted. He put new- all his eggs in one basket. He did. <laughs> the other realm's most trusted newsreader. Um, although perhaps not, if people find out about his secret vices. Mm. Mr. Richard Langston. Two ounces of chlorophyll, uh, a fur coat, nasal hair. No, a, a fake fur coat. Oh, sorry, sorry. A faux fur. A fofa. Yeah, that's what they say, yeah, fofa. Fofa. A fofa. Not to be confused with a sofa, just a fofa. Yeah, fofa. Uh, nasal hair, or bodily hair, but they go for nasal hair. Well, yeah, the, the more coarse, the better. Oh, yes. And uh, alcohol for flavour. They mix it up in the cauldron, which naturally leads to them cackling around the cauldron, which is uh, the second time we've seen the yeah. family cackling over a, a cauldron. I like how uh, thinks Elder says witches are prone to get carried away when they're around a cauldron. It's like an impulse. I like, I like that, <laughs> yeah. little, uh, that little feature. Yeah, like a natural thing, like, oh, 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 oh no, okay, let, let's stop, yeah. let's stop. <laughs> Guess kind of embarrassing impulse, like a very yeah. uh, primitive impulse, kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of like drooling when you see like really nice food or something like yeah, that. Come on, come on, girls, we're past that, we're past that. Yeah, or, or saying... Homina homina when an attractive lady walks past. <laughs> <Yeah. Or that. laughs> 
Uh, Sabrina, Hilda and Zelda are mixing up all their ingredients in a cauldron which naturally leads them to cackling. But the potion is ready and the hope of a last minute saving from Salem is still in the air. As he is when he flies off a spinning can opener he's having fun riding on. Does Tom Cruise do that in Risky Business? No, that that's pure Salem. There is a scene of Tom Cruise uh, licking his own genitals though. So, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's tea time and Diamond Dave is getting ready to dive into some tongue and mini marshmallow soup. However, he decides to make Hilda his official taster because you never know who's fiddling with your lucky meals. Hilda reluctantly takes a bite and instantly collapses. She just falls completely to the side yeah. in real slapstick comedy fashion, which I enjoyed. So Dammy Dave uh, will not be drugged this night, folks. But don't worry, chaps, because Salem is on his way because he's finally realised he's run out of food and has no reason to live anymore. So he might as well risk said life on rescuing his family. At Dave's and Serena's busy filing down the toenails and bunions of her master's feet, but it's interrupted by loyal servant CK, who tries to explain to Dave that he had nothing to do with the attempted poisoning. He says that the only reason Dave isn't lonely is because of him, and the only reason he is alive is because CK gave him a kidney. However, Dave doesn't approve of guilt trips, so he fires his ass. Yeah, what an ungrateful fuck. It's very good, though, that he is established as just the worst of the worst. Like, yes. We should not... We should regard this guy as a, as a straight-up villain, because that is what he is. I mean, but, I know... Yeah. He behaves that way. He doesn't treat his friends well. He doesn't treat his employees well. He doesn't even uh, treat his competitors well. Yeah. Anyone that comes up against him, he, he sort of snarls at and demeans instantly. So, yeah... What? Yeah, well, he's self-serving. He yeah. does say to Sabrina, he does say, as long as I have money, I'll always have friends. Bullshit. So he doesn't care for people, he just likes people being around him and idolising him and yes. admiring him. Uh, we Obviously, we touched on him before, we said Bob, Bobby Calzone was probably the first Sabrina villain we've had, maybe? Outside of Libby, obviously. Yeah, we've yes. had Libby, Merlin, I guess, but he was more of just a nuisance rather yeah. than... Uh, a villain and same with Roland yeah and and Roland yeah more of a nuisance a tinker than a, than a villain but I'd, I'd go far and say Diamond Dave first Sabrina villain yeah just someone who is who's got no remorse no regrets just so much anger and hatred and evilness built inside him that he doesn't care what he does uh, suddenly the doorbell goes and it's Mr. Kachow an incredibly irresponsible Asian gambler and after a racist accent he collapses and it turns out Salem was in the oversized coat I panic so much. <laughs> Luckily, it's just one line he says. Like, uh, well, he's, he's introduced by the um, showgirl, the showgirl uh, lady again, um, as this irresponsible Asian gambler, Mister Catchout, and he's like, "Oh no, here comes the accent." And we get one line of it. No, here we. Uh, so something yeah, like, but at least it was just one line. But yeah, then then the costume falls apart, and he saves them. Salem's plan doesn't go much further than that. Uh, so Sabrina steps up to wage her own stakes. One game, her and Dave, and if she wins, they all go home. But if he wins, they'll stay for a hundred years. Diamond Dave raises the stakes even higher. In fact, if he wins, they'll all stay forever. He suggests poker, but Sabrina has other ideas. Her game, snakes and ladders. Sorry, shoots and ladders. Yeah, okay, 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 America. This is Britain calling. It turns out, and I have come across this before in various... uh, TV shows and films over the years. The game that we call Snakes and Ladders, because that's fun. Okay, you got a man-made object and an animal. A little strange to combine the two. If you land on a snake, then you spiral down to the uh, square where that snake's tail is. In America, it's shoots, so you just go down a diagonal drop. 
And that's so much less interesting. <laughs> yeah. So much less. Because these snakes, they're often very colourful, beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. And, you know, and they, they spiral. Some of them are massively spiral all the way down the board. Yeah, it's nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near as fun with the shoots. I get it. A shoot, you get to climb in, you go, wee all the way down, yeah? But a snake, you get eaten, devoured, sent through the digestive tract, <laughs> and then you come out the other end. That's got to be more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think things so, though, they do say, um, oh, shoot, a shoot. Doesn't yes. matter with this, we can't say, oh, snake. A snake. You could say, oh, sake. A snake. <laughs> oh, sake, a snake. Uh, this is a game Sabrina has never lost and she ain't about to start now. But after a few goes, it seems another victory for Diamond Dave is in his sights. He miraculously rolls a six and makes his way to the end, meaning the Spellmans are now his slaves forever. Hilda, who is still recovering from the drugging, decides to punch Diamond Dave right in his chops, which causes him to pass out. Zelda tries to wake up, but instead, some fake dice roll out of his hand. Fake dice which are covered in sixes. No wonder he always won. You see them rolling. He cheating. I think the witch community, even the witch's council, in on Diamond Dave's casino. Maybe. Taking yeah. a cut out of it, I think. We've said that they're probably quite corrupt. We've said there is issues with the legal system, with the press. I think it's I think it's rotten to the core, mm. the witch uh, society. Uh, and obviously on this podcast and any other podcast we may appear on, we don't condone violence. However, I think Hilda's really drunk, brash behaviour actually paid off. Yeah. Because she got up and in her drunk behaviour and just thumped damn Dave and obviously it all came true it's just that she's got a bit of a sore head at the end of it if anyone deserved a bunch of fives it's Diamond Dave anyway Whoa. after a lucky escape Salem has hopefully learned his lesson however Sabrina definitely has money doesn't make you happy it's friends like Harvey Harvey specifically she says which is dead cute for having such a good attitude Zelda decides to reward her by giving her a Porsche for the day Wow. So she can drive her and Harvey to the field trip. The car is so amazing that it makes all the kids hate Libby's ride and catch the bus instead. Leaving her devastated. I wasn't a fan of this. I no. mean, Libby being... Libby gets sort of shamed for her materialism, but then Sabrina gets rewarded for hers? Yes! Not only that, but I'm probably not the only one. We established that Libby had a Ford Mustang, right? Yeah. I'd rather be in a Ford Mustang than a Porsche. Porsche Boxster uh, we're speaking of here yeah it's in my DNA <laughs> yeah a, a vintage a vintage Mustang maybe like a 1960s Mustang like a Ooh, Steve McQueen Mustang yeah. yeah absolutely but not a 1990s one I'd probably, yeah, go, I mean, there's I'd probably go with the Porsche slash Porsche in that case yeah I mean there's nothing saying that Libby outright earned that car it could have been possible that a parent just bought it for her but still it's her lifestyle she's so pleased and happy to have this this car you know she's been you know a bit horrible about it and belittling people because of it but still you know it's it's just part of her nature where Sabrina comes in and just has one for the next day what about what the day after Libby goes yeah nice car she's like I've not got it anymore well she just say it's a it's a loan it's a loan car because her aunt's is in the shop her aunt's wagon is in the shop yeah so why didn't Libby just go oh well tomorrow you'll all come back well, yeah, exactly. So tomorrow everyone would come back anyway, so... I guess that makes it kind of better just for that day Libby gets egg on her face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the credits roll and Sabrina has invited all the dirty dogs round for a game of cards and slobber. And again, this is just more people going, Oh, I've lost all my money. All these... My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these... I do love them, though. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Sabrina kind of is just raking in all the, all the dollar and uh, she, she's top dog, you might say, yes. the the poker game. Boys, what do you think of this episode? It wasn't totally laugh out loud, but we had a bit of it and a little bit 
in some parts, but we saw a, a bit of regression, I guess, in Sabrina, but we met a new character that was quite good fun. And we did see a little bit of, of a journey with, with Sabrina. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an enjoyable episode, and there was a moral to the story, which then sort of got stomped all over. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. It, it was cause and offence, learn your lesson, because you might be rewarded for it if you do it quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sabrina's arc was a bit saddening, um, but I, I, I really enjoyed uh, the one-off characters. With Diamond Dave and CK, I really enjoyed Salem as a desperate gambler. Um, I really enjoyed Drunk Hilda. I think, yeah, I think everybody had a lot to do in this episode. Um, I enjoyed most of Joe Hart's cardio. You oh, know. Yeah, I, 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 everyone did something that impressed that. me in this episode. So I think all in all, it was a good. It was, it was a good. So as you might know, in season three, uh, we are all rank masters. So we review each episode on a set of specific criteria. They are magic, wit. Creativity and progression. Boys, first of all, uh, magic. How did the did you enjoy the these the uses of actual magic and the overall story? I liked the fact that they were going. They, they sort of went back to basics with the magic to create the potion. They had to have a step by step guide. Mm-hmm. I liked that idea. There was there was also magical aspects from Diamond Dave. Uh, but yeah, it was more along the lines of sort of we're gonna have to go old school on this one, guys. I like, yeah, I like Diamond Dave's bespoke uh, magic. Oh, yeah, gambling themed so. magic. I liked yeah, uh, as Chris said, I like I like the potions. Uh, but generally, quite a magic light episode in the traditional point and squirt sense. The only thing that stops uh, the magic score being quite low is is uh, yeah, Dave's Diamond Dave's sort of tailor made. Uh, magical approach, yeah. I guess. I'm saying a three. Uh, Wit-wise, what do you think of the script? I didn't. I didn't see it as a very particularly witty. There weren't many. There weren't many laughs that weren't just "haha, look at Sailor Moon." Then again, <laughs> then again, you, that gets you going. That does get you going. I think. Yeah, I think most of what did amuse me still probably falls more into creativity. I think it's probably only two for wit. Yeah, I'd say two. Okay. Um, creativity. Yeah. We had we had dogs playing poker. We had we had that, that painting come to life. We had dogs with backstories, uh, which was pretty incredible. Um, we had two new characters who were very well fleshed out. And who um, had their own sort of story arc um, yeah. start to yeah, finish yeah. In, in the space of a couple of minutes. So Yeah, and we, we had a uh, use of Salem, which is somewhat different to what we've seen before. Um, and we had our uh, main uh, magical female characters, Sabrina and Zelda and Hilda, having to uh, having to think outside the box and how they solve their problems. So uh, creativity is it's pretty high. I'd go with a four. I I absolutely agree with a four. You missed out the idea of a chicken and a hat. But, oh, you know, oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, no. Five, <laughs> five. Give it a five. Yeah, four. Finally, regression. Progression. Well, it's regression. I yeah. Think, in this, um, yeah. Exactly. The only thing that I can sit here and say that progressed was the storyline in which Hilda and Zelda paid off their house. Yeah, yeah, that adds. Yeah, so we know we now know uh, every episode from now that that's the Spellman yeah. house. Now, whether that will actually play into well, anything, well, no, know. because it's a callback to many many. Episodes it is. It, it, it's, it's a season two callback. Yeah. yeah. So one. Yeah, for the, the most progression. Part, for the most part, things either stood still or regressed. So yeah, one. So that gives us a grand total of ten. 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 
wasn't wasn't the worst episode we've seen because there was a lot of creativity to it, great characters and some good moments in it. But uh, yeah, ultimately, nothing to call mummy about, I guess. No. Um, hopefully, this next episode is episode eight. It's called "And the Sabrina Goes to." How does Sabrina win? A- <laughs> Sorry, let me try that again. Okay. Is it like an award show thing then? Because and the Sabrina goes to. So is Sabrina an award or does Sabrina win an award? What's the award? Best magic trick, perhaps. I hope it's not this again because we've already had plenty of it. But Sabrina's not being fought over, is she? Either by her friends or by uh, love interests or by her aunts. I think we've kind of had all three of those things before, but. Possibly that's the, that's the thing, Sabrina going to somebody. Sabrina feels unappreciated with her achievements uh, as they go unnoticed, so she casts the spell which turns her into an awards show. Two words to get you excited about this episode. Classic Conniff. Oh, oh okay. he's back. He's this back. is a really silly but really well-written episode. Yeah. This, is, this is a classic episode, I think. Yeah. It's got songs in it. It's got stupid goofy humour in it yeah. and it's got Mr. Craft just being really enthusiastic in camp so yeah. great uh, yeah an excellent episode classic con if I'm sure uh, but that's our next episode episode 8 and the Sabrina goes to as for this one episode 7 I hope you very much enjoyed it well even if you didn't you've listened to it through to the end so the joke's on you I guess my name has been Phil Dean all the way through and I've been joined by my lovely friends uh, by the name of Graeme Riley goodbye and Chris Evans Am I still here? You are indeed. Later, guys. (laughs) And if you are still here listening to us, then uh, why don't you uh, jump onto iTunes right now and give us a rating and review? Because the more reviews that we get for our podcast means we work up the, 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 not the scales, that's not what I'm trying to say, the chart. We go up the charts and it means that our podcast is heard and noticed by more people, which means, hey, yeah, we can make better shows if more people are listening to it. Not that we don't appreciate you listening now. Um, we're also part of the Brit Pod Scenes. It's a uh, wonderful independent collection of British podcasts. So just go on the website www.britpodscene.com and there's loads of awesome British podcasts such as us. Uh, and yeah, please do get in touch. Boys, they can get in touch with us a variety of different ways, I believe. Yeah, uh, by going on to Facebook and searching for Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Indeed. By going on to twitter.com forward slash Sabrina Watch. Yes, and emails. Sometimes we do get them. Yeah, because um, we beg for them. <laughs> it, it might be a dead medium nowadays, but yeah, we do appreciate uh, anything that we get uh, via uh, our Gmail account, which is Sabrina Teenage Watch at gmail.com. I've thoroughly enjoyed sitting with you in the blue room. Ooh, bit of blue. Bit of blue, bit of room for the dads. Did just leaves one last thing for us to say. May every little thing you do be magic. magic.